0: Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Tina Esposito, VP of the Center for HIS at Advocate Healthcare. In this segment, Esposito talks about how the realignment of incentives is paving the way for patient-centered care, why her team places more value on patient loyalty than patient satisfaction, and how analytics can be leveraged to improve more than just the bottom line it's one of those terms, patient-centered care, that uh, we, we hear a lot about. But w- when you talk about that as, as a goal or as a pillar, what, what does that really mean as far as, you know, being able to provide patient-centered care?
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm going to give you an example. And Something that I think occurred to me in a little bit of a, like, light- uh, light bulb. Uh, just even a couple of years ago, I, it's a term you're absolutely right. We throw around all the time. We think we know what that means. It means putting the patient in the center. But I would say that this shift to accountable care and value-based payment has really started to ensure that we stay true to that. And the example I'm going to give you is is an IT example. I, you know, again, I've been here uh, 18 years, and um, I can remember a time where much of my analysis data poll, evaluation, measurement, really reflected process. We wanted to understand how are we doing with DRG-475 or whatever it may be. And it was a very episodic view of care being provided. Now you fast forward now to an accountable care world where it really is about, well, how are we doing with this patient? What care has been provided to that patient? Not just what DRG were they when they hit our hospital one of the ten times, but let's, let's think about what was all the care being provided? What was the total outcome? What was the final outcome of that patient? Did we get them back to a level of baseline that they enjoyed before the hospitalization? What happened a year before that hospitalization? Could, could we have prevented unnecessary admission potentially? What happened after? Could we have better facilitated a, a more appropriate transition? It trickles all the way down to IT and systems and, and, and everything. But in my example, I guess where I sit, it has trickled down all the way to IT systems. To me, it's just been a, such an aha to say, yeah, now this is patient-centered, right? Yeah. It's no longer that I deliver on a key process. Certainly, that's important. Uh, but now I have the ability to actually take it down to a patient and understand what efforts would put forth to ensure the, the best outcome. I can now do that. I can now see that. Uh, I wasn't able to do that you know, back in 2011, 2010, before this work started.
0: Right. So that's a real change in, in thinking. Immense. And now, um, as far as the interoperability piece with the 12 hospitals, all the sites of care, uh, I'm, I'm assuming it's not one version of, of one EHR, so I'm sure that there's
1: mm-hmm. uh, that
0: that's a whole other effort that has to be dealt with.
1: Absolutely. We certainly are not on a single EMR platform at Advocate, depending upon where you look. It's a different vendor. On the inpatient side, we are primarily Cerner. We do have a facility in central Illinois, um, two facilities. One's a critical access hospital. The one is a community hospital on Meditech. Our employed physicians are on Allscripts our aligned uh, physicians are on eClinicalWorks, works, and our home health division is on yet another installation of all scripts. We also, I forgot to mention, have a fairly large uh, physicians group on EPIC. So okay. you're right. I mean, this was fairly daunting. And I think uh, at first it was really, could we put all this data together? And I think we've been able to deliver on that and, and see that that was truly the case. But you're right. I think uh, interoperability is will continue to be a really important topic. I don't think it's only for organizations where we have multiple EMR vendors. I think any organization that continues to grow will likely find itself in a position where they have now a new acquisition, a new merger that isn't on the same system. Um, And so, or perhaps affiliated physicians. They may not be employed by the organization, but rather they're affiliated through a clinical integration program or what have you. Uh, And they may not be in the same EMR platform. So um, I think some of the work that's going on with Smart on Fire and uh, it seems to be interoperability is, is something that is continually discussed, understood as a necessity. I'm excited about what may be in the future, but I, I can't say that we've fully figured that out yet for sure. And I, I don't think we're alone in that comment. I think that's true right. for the industry.
0: Yeah, definitely. Going back to uh, big data, to analytics, this is something where maybe in the past a lot of the focus has been on, on getting those metrics and showing that financial angle. but what about the benefits that are a little bit tougher to measure, like you know, the improvements to patient care, clinician satisfaction, and how can leaders maybe start to kind of shift the focus to those benefits when they're not as easily measurable?
1: Well, I, I think um, you have to always look beyond just a financial benefit. I think that's a really important need to ensure that a, you have, uh, I think it's the right structure, you know, from, from, we just talked about being patient-centered, right? So, we need to make sure we stay true to that. So, what was the outcome of the patient is, is a, clearly an important metric. But I think also from an engagement for physicians, uh, they uh, absolutely want to make sure that, um we are fiscally responsible, but that's not what gets them out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I mean, they, they want right. to make sure that they're doing the best they can for the patients that they're serving. Um, and so it's vital to have a very balanced approach on ensuring on and measuring, assessing, whatever it may be when you're talking about analytics or measurement. Um, it's not just a financial play, but it's certainly ensuring that we are staying at a level of uh, quality and safety that, that is as high as it possibly can be. So I don't know if it's necessarily too hard. I think it depends on what you're looking at. Um, I think this notion of measurement will change as we continue to think about what's important to the patient, right? The patient may not necessarily look at some of these, you know, core measures or or other perhaps national measures that are out there and publicly transparent, but rather they want to understand can I get back to what I was doing before uh, a hospitalization or a surgery, Uh, things like functional status. I think the other area that we've uh, explored is also likelihood to recommend and, and why that's really important from ensuring that, uh, you know, have we done everything we can from that patient's perspective to a, to a point where they are likely to recommend us to others. There's some of that with with HCAPS questions that, that have been leveraged, or I think some people also call it a net promoter score, but we think it's really important. I think truly that, that ensures that you are aligned with what the patient values or the consumer values in seeking your care. So this notion of uh, net promoter score, we, we don't use, done that promoter score, we've used a proxy. Basically, it's likelihood to recommend or patient loyalty, I guess. Probably that's a better term. Uh, the ability to create these lifelong relationships with patients, that absolutely is, is vital as you think about measuring and continue to put the patient in the center.
0: Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And I, I had seen an article um, that, that you and two others from Advocate where you talked mm-hmm. about the idea of, of moving away from the, the traditional patient satisfaction measures. And, and and it's interesting, was there something particular that motivated you to go in that direction?
1: Well, I think, again, as we've continued to be more patient-focused, patient-centric, um, and look beyond just, again, a, a very specific acute care visit, right, or a physician visit, which I think tends to be what Uh, the CAP surveys look at. Now, it's not to say that's not important. I think we do value that and I think this notion of service reliability and ensuring that um, we're doing everything we can to make that visit the best it can be is important. So we haven't completely lost sight of that. We still do look at that, but we think uh, much more so as, as the consumer has more and more of a choice. Uh, on where they they would like to go and and what clinician they would like to see, and it becomes very important that we are aligned with their values and their needs from a healthcare provider. So I think it's the gradual shift, if you will, around reimbursement that really has uh, allowed this change in the way that we view that.
0: Right. And then can you talk about some of the initiatives that that you put into to try to increase that loyalty, things like uh, promoting price transparency?
1: Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I think the article talks a little bit about that, there's some price transparency efforts, quite a bit of work that's been um, really thinking about how we uh, transform the way that we're providing care. We also, one pilot that we've, we've leveraged is this use of a smartphone-enabled, if you will, care plan. So the ability to ensure that a patient is feeling supported well beyond a discharge from the hospital, well beyond uh, a follow-up visit, but actually following patients and using technology to follow them even at home after right. they've had hip surgery or hip replacement surgery or, or knee replacement. So um, checking in on that patient electronically to say, have you gotten up and been able to walk whatever the, the time, maybe 100 yards or to the bathroom and back today? How does your incision site look today? Is it red? Um, is it is it look inflamed? Does it look like it's infected? You know, being able to triage perhaps even a, an issue before it occurs and get that patient to a physician. Um, and I think what's great about that in my mind is, you know, like any industry where resource constrained, you, you can't provide a nurse for every patient that we see, but is there a way that we can leverage technology as resource, um, as a way to ensure that every patient followed is felt that they are supported well beyond just again, visiting a hospital or or seeing a physician in in an office. Um, I think that's a a really good example of how we're we're trying to build out um, and transform care in a way that would help support, as you're saying, uh, increased loyalty, but also meeting the needs uh, of patients as well in a much different way.
0: Right. And really moving towards what people have been talking about for a while with making healthcare, you know, as user-friendly as some of the other organizations and giving patients more options and and making it easier for them to access information.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Kind of reducing the the hassle map, if you will. I think I've heard it stated in that way.
0: Yeah. You talked before about one of the the visioning sessions on on readmissions, and in terms of how this works, are there specific areas you kind of tackle in, in buckets, or how does that work as far as determining, you know, what's the next focus
1: we align as much as we can with the strategy of the organization. So in, in this case with the Advanced Analytics Group, uh, very much around what are the strategies of our accountable care organization, what's needed from their perspective. I think at the end of the day, um, big data analytics, it's a, it's a means to an end, right? And that end has got to be where you as an organization see yourself. So we align very closely with the strategic efforts and initiatives that the um, ACO has, and, you know, larger advocates certainly. So readmissions was uh, something that has been identified as an opportunity for the organization. Certainly when you think about lower cost, a high level of readmissions is, is not a good thing, right? That doesn't align with that effort, but I think if there are unnecessary readmissions, it's not really a great outcome um, as well. So that was clearly an opportunity, and I think we, again, have a very good direct line of sight to where the strategy is and ensure that our efforts are 100% aligned, and however we can support the organization in those efforts, uh, that's where we focus our attention to.
0: Right. And then there's certainly no shortage of areas to focus on.
1: No. Yeah, there's plenty of opportunity, absolutely.
0: And just as a final point, now you've been with this organization for a while, and you um, your take on, on really what, what you've seen in the last couple of years as far as where the industry is headed and that moving away from you know fee-for-service and whether you think that things seem to be moving in the right direction.
1: You know, I think so. At the end of the day, it's, it's all about aligning the incentives, and when you do that, I think this notion that, for example, being truly patient-centered, like we talked a little bit about, all that starts occurring and all that starts happening, but it took that change in payment and and alignment, if you will, of incentives to ensure that we went down that track. And so I'm excited. I I think um, I may not be directly involved in, in caring for patients, but having this new level of alignment helps me see the difference that I'm making, even from a technical analytic perspective, it's exciting. Um, it, it makes you realize and, and helps you get out of bed in the morning, like I said, to say like, hey, I, you know, it may not be a direct impact, but the way in which we are supporting our clinicians and the organization has a very, almost, a, it's an indirect, but almost in some ways, direct uh, way of, of improving patient care, and that's what more can you ask for. I can't get any more rewarding than that.
0: Right. Okay. The organization is really doing some interesting work and it's, it's been great hearing about it. Um, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate you reaching out.
0: Sure thing. And um, I'm sure uh, I'd like to reach out to you again down the road just to, to see uh, where you guys are. Absolutely. Okay, great. Well, thanks again and I will be in touch.
1: All right. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, Visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.